You're listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch the service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org. God bless you as you give today. Also, um, while I was gone to Kansas, our, um, our tennis ministry opened. And Lord James has been leading the kids in uh, free tennis lessons. Thank you, Lord. Uh, what a gift that is to our community. And um, I haven't been there personally, but I've looked on the cameras. And they're having a lot of fun. Um, so uh, is it still open? Two more weeks. Okay, two more weeks if you want to get your kiddos in here. Uh, see Lord James. Lord, stand up so everybody can see who you are. Right there. The one in the hat. The cat in the hat. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. What a first Friday we had uh, in this house on Friday night. My goodness. The presence of God was so powerful. A friend of mine bought a, his wife a world map and gave her a dart and said, throw this wherever it lands. That's where I'm taking you when this pandemic ends. Turns out that they will be spending two weeks behind the fridge. <laughs> By the way, I ate a, a kid's meal at McDonald's today and his mom got really angry. I, After a big family dinner, grandfather and his grandson broke the wishbone from the turkey. The boy was bitterly disappointed to find himself holding the small end of the bone. Don't worry, Grandpa said. My wish was that your wish would come true. And isn't that the kind of God we serve? He's such an awesome God. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We live in a world that's pretty much lost their minds. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. And, and this is the reason why there's no fear of the Lord. I mean, once you lose the fear of the Lord and you, you lack the knowledge of the Holy One, which sad to say, is indicative of our world. Once you reach that point, you lose all wisdom and understanding. And you just follow blindly along where the pack is leading. I, it, I, I'm not sure I understood years ago how easy it would be the mark of the beast to come. And everyone just to sign up and say, count me in, whatever, whatever, whatever I need to do. 
I mean, it's mind blowing to me. We we've lost our ability to have critical thinking because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Some of us are more afraid of things and diseases and viruses and people. In fact, there's a fear of people being around people. There's a fear of being around people. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. Did you know that the Canadian government, uh, their postal service is distributing prepaid postcards to 13.5 million households in an effort to encourage people to connect with others through a handwritten note. Prepaid. Just, just reach out to somebody. Because we were designed, God designed us for relationship. Church, we've got to stop following mindlessly. And that includes in, in this house. Don't just follow mindlessly what this house says. You need to know what the word of God says. So you can judge everything. And if there's something that's not quite right, you can know because you've handled the truth long enough to recognize the false. We've got to wake up. No fear of the Lord, no knowledge of the Holy One. I, I, uh, last week, I was at Christiana Mall getting some, some things done. I wasn't shopping. I'm not really a shopper. My wife is a shopper. She does all the shopping we need in our ha household. Um, she's good at it. But I went to Chick-fil-A for lunch in the... And it's, it, okay, just follow with me, will you? Uh, they, they cook my food with their hands. They package it with their hands. They put it in the bag with their hands. They filled up my drink with their hands, put the straw in the cup with their hands, and then they gave me contactless delivery. I watched them pass it from one to the next, to the next, to the next, and then it went inside a plastic container. <laughs> COVID can't live in that container. No, it can't. Can't quite reach in there. And if I'm sitting down at a restaurant, I'm okay. But if I stand up, oh, mask, quick, quick. Oh, COVID lives up here in the six foot area. Stop. But it, it was contactless. And this makes complete sense to most people. And that, this is what bothers me. I, I'm, I'm serious. I think we've lost our ever-loving minds. When, when things like this make sense, and you can reason these things away and say, oh, well, that, just follow the science. God created science, and it's a whole different thinking than. But I believe the day will come when the mark of beasts will, will have no pushback whatsoever, except from the few who understand and know. 
So I just, just want to encourage you to fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Have some knowledge of the Holy One, and you will have understanding. You'll be able to see clearly and not follow along with blinders on. Um, I, read this, this, I read this this week, and I believe someone in here needs to hear this today. It said this, you need, you need to understand that memories are a choice. A friend once reminded Clara Barton, who founded the American Red Cross, of a particularly cruel thing somebody had done to her years before. And the friend asked, don't you remember? Her famous reply was, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. And they said, your memories are a choice. And, and I've felt the spirit of the Lord say to me, how you frame things will determine how they form you. And so we, we need to get a God's eye perspective on everything, even though things may be difficult and, and from our viewpoint, it looks like destruction. We can understand if we'll take a step back and get a God's eye view and realize that he's framing this differently and he's using it to form us into what he wants for our lives. Now, it's, it's dangerous for me not to have preached for the last several weeks because I have a lot to say. But how you frame things will determine how they form you. We begin a new series today entitled, Is This Natural? And we're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about miracles, signs, wonders, tongues. And we'll be dealing with all of that. But the question is, is this natural? And my answer is, it should be. If the supernatural is not natural in your life, then something is missing in your life. Shouldn't we be naturally supernatural as children of God? Children of the creator? I believe March is going to be a miracle month. And you might as well get in on the miracles that God is going to pour out here. Uh, if you need a miracle, if, if you've been longing for a miracle, praying for a miracle, desiring a miracle, then you need to get here. If, uh, if you know of someone who needs a miracle, get them here. Because in God's presence here in the house of the Lord, there's, there's power for miracles. I mean, uh, on Wednesday night, two of our students were healed as the leaders prayed for them. One uh, had, had a doctor's visit the next day, already scheduled. Went there and he said, well, I don't see any, anything broken anymore. It's all healed. And so is this natural? It should be. And it needs to be in your life. Uh, the definition of miracle 
is a noun meaning amazing or wonderful occurrence. It comes from the Latin miraculum, object of wonder. If you dig way back in the word, you dig way back and the word derives from smeros, meaning to smile, which is exactly what you do when a miracle happens. For some of us, it's been a long time since we've smiled. We need to open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and, and get a glimpse of what God is doing, and it will bring a smile to your face. There were so many little miracle moments in caring for my dad in his last days that we just had to smile in amazement and wonder. I mean, one of the regular occurrences during the day and night, we would break out in song. And I would go back in my mind to the old songs that I grew up singing in, in church and the hymns. And I'd break out into an old song and... I just would stand in amazement as my dad, who was in a semi-comatose state, would begin to sing with me. I, I, how does that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. The spirit man lives on. Spirit man never dies. So your spirit is always alive. And, and so uh, as he lay there, and then he would somehow hear the song being sung, and he would begin to sing words when he couldn't even put a sentence together that made any sense. He would begin to sing words just like they were written years ago. Words that he had sung hundreds of times. Words that had settled deep in his spirit. We would quote scripture and he would quote it right along with us. Uh, he would pray in the spirit. Even when he couldn't talk, the Spirit of God prayed through him. We're going to talk about tongues later on this month. And uh, if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be. Just saying, you need the power of the Spirit of the living God uh, flowing through you, filling you to the point of overflowing. And uh, my dad was filled with the Spirit, prayed in the Spirit, his most of his life and in his last few days of living on this earth, he continued to pray in the spirit and he kept laughing and, and finding humor. Even in times when he had shoulder replacement surgery on one side, the other side was painful. So when we would roll him to change him, uh, it would hurt as he'd go over on that shoulder. And, and yet he would somehow either make a joke or laugh or bring humor to the situation. And, you know, it, a time when, when he should have, you know, it should have bothered him. It just didn't because of the humor in him. And, and you know that the Bible says laughter is, is a good medicine. God wants us to laugh. That's why I tell stupid jokes every once in a while. Because you just, you need to laugh every once in a while. You need to inform your face that life is not that serious. And you will get through this. And you are a victor. And I, I just once again would say, if, if I die 
please don't mourn for me. You can mourn for yourself, because yeah, you're gonna miss me. Yeah, you probably won't. You'll forget about me quickly. But realize I'm living it up. I'm in heaven. I'm living. I I will be what I've lived for my entire life. I'll be there. I'll be in the presence of Jesus. If I die, I win. And if I live, I win. I win. We win as children of the living God. We win no matter what we face. Uh, one, one thing, and I've shared this with just, just a couple of people, but uh, middle of the night, I, was given, I had to give my dad morphine every hour. And so morphine was a dropper. Okay. What do you call those things? A dropper. Yeah. But towards the end, there was this, this little bottle of, of medicine that we were supposed to give three drops under the tongue, just, just inside the lip, of stuff that would help his gurgling. He had uh, congestive heart failure. And so it was around 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning. My alarm went off. I got up and groggily made my way into get the medicine in the refrigerator, came back upstairs and had the, the morphine, gave him the morphine and then took the little bottle of medicine to put in his mouth unscrewed the cap. The cap had already been unscrewed. So the safety ring had popped off and settled down on the cap, I, on the bottle. I didn't know that. So I turned the medicine over to give him his three drops and the safety ring drops into his mouth, back in his throat. Now, he's not awake. He's not able to do anything, but he can swallow. And I'm thinking to myself, I came all the way from Pennsylvania to kill my dad with a little safety ring. So what did I do? I yelled for Christy. She came into the room and, and we're, we're freaking out. I'm like, I, I don't know how we're going to get it out because his, his mouth wasn't quite open enough to get your finger down. And she said, we have to. And I'm, I'm like, he's going to bite you because that's a re reaction. As soon as you stick, he got, mm. but miraculously, as we tried to fish that little safety ring out, his tongue started moving and moved it all the way to the front, grabbed it out. Um, That was a moment. And, and again, it was a miracle moment. It was one of those moments that makes you smile because you recognize God's presence is here with us. A miracle, its meaning in biblical Hebrew, is a symbol of victory held high for all to see. A symbol of victory held high for all to see. And it's also a banner or flag. Now, if you know me, you'll know that I'm not all about banners and flags. I, I don't appreciate them. I don't like it when people wave them in church. I, 
it just bothers me. And um, it, it's distracting, in my opinion. <sighs> I, I could go on, but I will not. Uh, but, but just know that there are moments where you have to have a symbol of victory held high for all to see. Visuals are a key. In, in fact, uh, that's one reason why Christy and I have a manager in our house for our grandchildren to ask questions. What's that doing in the jar? Why is that in the jar? And then we begin to tell of the stories, the miracle stories of what God has done. It, it's, it's one of the reasons why my grandfather's stories had to be continually told to us. And when I would go into his garage, there were canes and crutches and wheelchairs on the wall. And every one of them had a story of the miraculous intervention of God. And so symbols, visuals are, are key. The symbols, a symbol of victory held high for all to see. If you've had a miracle in your life, you need to get a symbol and, and have it held high for all to see so that people can say, what's that and why? Why that? And you begin to share the miraculous provision and intervention of God. In biblical Greek, the word miracle means that which causes wonder and astonishment, being extraordinary in itself and amazing or inexplicable by normal standards. So today I want to I read with you the story of Gideon. I want you to notice some things today in Judges chapter six. And we're doing great on time. I've got two more hours left, so that's good. Um, Judges chapter six, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Sometimes you get yourself in trouble by disobeying God. Sometimes you find yourself in a mess of your own making. There are times when you find yourself in a mess, not of your own making, but more times than not, we create our own problems. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys. I mean, these enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. And some of you feel like that's your life. Just been stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then, somebody say then. And why did they wait till then? Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. If I could give you a little help here, don't wait till... Everything's stripped bare. Don't wait till you've lost everything and everything has been eaten and, and destroyed. Cry out to the Lord for help now. Now, wherever you are, now 
cry out to the Lord for help. When they, they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, someone who would speak the word of the Lord. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. He recounts all the miracles. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I performed mighty works. Look, I drove out your enemies. I gave you their land. Here's what I've done. Here's the miracles you've seen already, but you haven't listened to me. And even though God does miracles in your life, you can turn him off and not listen to what he's saying to you. Anybody else chilly in here? Can we work on that, please? Somebody? Thank you. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. The uh, Gideon son of Joash was threshing wheat. Gideon son of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. He's scared to death. There's a lot of people scared to death today, and they're hiding. He was hiding at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now that's funny. A bit, that's funny. He's hiding. He's cowering down, threshing grain so nobody can see him. Nobody's going to steal his stuff. And the angel shows up and says, mighty warrior, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He must be thinking to himself, what in the world is that? Verse 13, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Some of you are asking the same question. And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. You don't need somebody else's strength. You just need to go with the strength that you have because he's with you. Because he is sending you. Yeah, we're weak in and of ourselves. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have limitations that everybody else does because I have Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And so I go in the strength that I have. And I do what God's asked me to do because He's sending me. 
The Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. I'm the least in my entire family. And we've all got excuses. We want to look at God and go, ah, you got the wrong person. I can't possibly be the one. Are you kidding me? Look, ah, my family's nothing. In fact, I'm the least of all of them. You got the wrong number. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. Let me just pause there for a moment and say, if God is with us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can stand against you? That should do something to you. And recognize that you need to be near him. He said, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. So Gideon turned, he hurried home, he cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast, then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told, Gideon did as he was told, and Gideon did as he was told. There are little keys in the word of God that just unlock. If you do what you're told, I could, I could, oh my, I won't. Some of us just don't do what we're told. We read the word of God, we say, oh, that, that's for sister so-and-so. because She's holier than I am. No, you, you do what you're told. Getting dead as he was told, then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock before gas grills and consumed all he had brought. Consumed it. That's some fire. That's not just cooking. That's fire. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Bummer. Hate it when that happens. And when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Can I tell you that God wants to settle his peace on you today? Some of you watching online, you need to feel the presence and the peace of God, Yahweh Shalom, settling in your house. The altar remains an offer in the land of the clan of Ebiezer to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. Some things in your life need to be cut out. Yep. 
they, they need to be destroyed and removed. And, and when God speaks to you and says, this needs to go, don't hesitate. Get rid of it. Get rid of it quickly. And then use that as fuel. Use it as fuel for where you're headed. I'll just tell you this. God doesn't waste a thing. You say, well, if you just knew my past, are you kidding me? Everyone has a past. Every single person has a past. And it's nasty. But God wants to redeem that past. And he wants to use it as fuel to send you in the right direction, doing the right thing, sharing your story with somebody else will then be fueled to obey God as well. So Gideon took 10 of his servants, did, a, did as the Lord had commanded. He did as the Lord had commanded. Look at your neighbor and say, he did as the Lord commanded. He did. He did as the Lord had commanded. But he, he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and the Asher pole beside it had been cut down. And in their place, a new altar had been built and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. And the people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asher pole. Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerob Baal, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel. And you'll find that in your life as well. People who don't love God or don't understand, who have lost the fear of the Lord, will form alliances against you. And they crossed the Jordan camping in the valley of Jezreel, and then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. This is one of those pre and filling with the Holy Spirit moments. You see, in the Old Testament, there were moments when the Holy Spirit would just rest on people. And now it's available to every believer. Wow. Where the Spirit of the Lord will clothe us with power from on high. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms and the men of the clan of Abiezar came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, as Zebulun, Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. And Gideon said to God, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that's just what happened. Miracle. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the whole, a whole bowl full of water. 
And Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Miracle. And they're just, they seem to be little things. Sometimes we just go right past them and don't realize that God is performing miracles. We don't recognize, we don't have our eyes open, we don't see and, and recognize and perceive what God is doing. This is also, you'll hear some people even today say, well, I'm, I'm putting out a fleece for the Lord. I'm asking him to do something so I know that it's God's will. I'm not against that, but don't continue to let that be your mode of operation. There are moments where that is necessary and you need God to speak very clearly, but other times you just need to obey what you already know. God was very gracious with Gideon here. In chapter seven, so Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them to the valley, in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. And if I'm Gideon, I'm thinking, oh my God, are you kidding me? Where'd you all go? Why? Yikes. And, and yet he's obeying what God says. Verse four, but the Lord told Gideon, there's still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. There have been moments in, in, even in this house where uh, some people will leave and I'm thinking, God, why? Why are, you, why are they moving on? They're, they're telling me, God told me. And, uh, and then months and years later, I look back and go, well, of course, it makes sense to me. Um, we couldn't go where we were going because they had, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I don't really like it when God chips things away but I recognize that if he doesn't, we might just get cocky. And there's no place for that in the kingdom of God. And I remember when, when some people left this church and they told someone else, that church is going to go under because we all left. And The, the issue is God called us here where God calls, he provides and he prospers when you walk in obedience. 
and no no one person is is key to anything. My dad used to have this saying in his office. It was called the indispensable man. And it, I can't remember the whole thing, but I do remember it said, stick your hand in a bucket of water, swash around as much as you want, make as big a splash as you want, then pull your hand out. And eventually it will all calm down just like it was before you got there. You're not indispensable. Nobody is. Things will go on until the Lord says it's time to shut things down. And, um, so here, here Gideon is in this, this paring down and the Lord told Gideon, there's still too many, bring them down to the spring. I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. Uh, some people can't go with us. And I hope you're not that kind of person. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide them into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. You can look at that several different ways. Uh, one way is, you know, if you've got your face in the water, you can't see the enemy, right? You, you can't have a perspective other than sustenance. I need sustenance, sustenance. And I've got my head down and, and I'm not looking around. But if I'm cupping the... I'm able to look around and see what's going on. I, I don't know if that was the criteria, but God said, okay, send the rest of those guys home. 9,700 of them. And the 300 that are left, we're going we're gonna to win this war. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home, but he kept the 300 men with him. Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Now, you'll notice the, the afraid thing here a lot, right? And fear, fear is a spirit. There's a spirit of fear. And you need to rebuke the spirit of fear. And you need to... <laughs> Allow the spirit of God's peace, his shalom, Yahweh shalom, let his peace cover you. But I notice here that God, God doesn't continue to rebuke Gideon even for being afraid. He just keeps leading him a little farther. He said, well, I'm kind of afraid right now. It's It's okay. You can conquer fear, but God is also with you in your fear. And he continues to say to you, fear not, fear not, fear not, and he'll walk with you. When your child comes in in the middle of the night 
into your bedroom and says, I can't sleep. I'm afraid. You look at them and you go, stop it. Is that what you do? If you're an idiot, you do that. What you normally do is you grab them up and you find out what's causing the fear. You comfort them. Okay. You care for them and you calm their fear. So here, uh, God is calming Gideon's fear. Uh, where am I at? If you're afraid to attack, verse 10, go down to the camp with your servant Pura, listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you'll be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. That's a bunch. That's a bunch of camels. That probably stunk to high heaven. I'm just, just saying. And Gideon crept up, verse 13, just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. It just so happened at just the right moment See, that's another miracle where God sets up a moment and you just happen to step into that moment. It's not anything because of what you've done. It's because of what God is setting up. It's his miracle working. It's his intervention. It's those moments where you, you just smile in amazement and you're saying, wow, I can't believe this has happened. This, this is a, a miracle moment. Just as the man was telling his companion about a dream, the man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. How cool is that? And... And when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worshiped before the Lord. And when you see miracles take place, you bow in worship before the Lord. You don't take it for granted. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. All of a sudden, this man full of fear is filled with faith. And all of a sudden, he walks back into the camp and says, get up, let's go. It's time to take this thing. Whew. He divided the 300 men into three groups, gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars, and none of them had a sword. They didn't have any guns. They didn't have any bows and arrows. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. I'm going to beat you over the head with my horn. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And each man stood 
at his position around the camp and watched. Reminds me of another story. The Israelites are facing the Red Sea and the Egyptians are breathing down their neck and God settled the clouds so they couldn't reach each other and God blew the staff. Moses touched the staff in the water, went apart, and Moses said, take your stand and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. And if God is fighting for you and you are on God's side, you don't really have to say a word at times. You just need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. And when the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, miracle, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. They had swords. They were killing each other. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah near Zerera to the border of Abel Mahola near Tabath. And as I read this, I got to tell you, I'm encouraged. Something happens in my spirit. And that's one reason why you need to fill yourself with the word of the living God on a daily basis. Because you need to be encouraged with what God has done. I need to know what God has done. And I need to know that he's no respecter of persons. What he did for Gideon, he'll do for you. If you'll do what Gideon did, he'll do for you the same. That's why my grandpa's stories were so vital. It gave me courage to believe for mighty miracles. When I heard about dead people being raised from the dead, it encourages me. I pray for some dead people that never came back to life. But there's going to come a day where I'm going to pray for somebody who's dead and they are going to come back to life. Because what he did for my grandpa Hollis, he can do for me. I can stand in the same place that he stood. We've got to tell what God has done, the miracles he's performed, things that make us smile, things filled with wonder and amazement, astonishment, things that have brought about victory for all to see. And then you need, as a child of the living God, to begin to point things out. Did you see that? Did you see what happened? Did you see what God did there? Are, are you seeing what God's doing right now? And all of a sudden, you bring perspective to somebody else who can't see it quite yet. Did you see God's hand in that? Come on. I, I watched a, a video interview from years ago. Catherine Kuhlman was interviewing Corey Timbu. It was very interesting. 
And Corey made a statement. Corey Timboom made a statement. She said, now this is a lady who's been in the, the German prisons, okay? Her family was put in prison from Holland because they were rescuing Jews from the Germans back in the day. And uh, in case you're wondering, we're kind of heading in uh, same kind of, uh, anyway. And you think to yourself, how, how did they, how did that, how, how? And we're watching it right before our eyes. Stay away from your neighbor. Don't get close. Don't. They're not really people. They're virus carriers. They're not human beings. They're virus carriers. We need to open our eyes. I'm just telling you. We've got to open our eyes. We've got to get our brain back. The fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I need a drink. Ah, oh, that's good. Water. Your body is comprised mostly of water. I don't know if you knew that. It needs a lot of that to survive. So Catherine Coleman is interviewing Corey Timboom, and, and Corey makes this statement. She said, God has plans, no problems. And I rewound it, and I said, I'm gonna, I need to hear that again. Corey looked at Catherine, she said, God has plans, no problems. And what I view as a problem, God already had something established as a plan. It may be a problem to me, but God is not wringing his hand saying, oh, I didn't see that coming. Ah, what are we going to do now? I had no idea COVID was coming. What should we do? Angels, come here. Let's have a powwow. Let's talk about this. No, he's still God. He just has plans. No problems. And perspective is everything. Uh, she, she was talking about in one of their cells, they're not, not a cell, but it was a holding area. There was, it was built for about 200 women and they had 700 women in the cell or this holding area. And she was talking about the fleas and the lice that were in that holding area. It, it was covered. It was just covered. And Betsy, her sister, looked at her and said, we must thank God for the fleas and the lice. And Corey looked at her and said, I can't. It's awful. She says, no, no, we must thank God for the fleas and the lice. We must. And Corey went on to to describe the fact that because of the fleas and the lice, 
the prison guards would not come in that room. And her and her sister were able to preach to those 700 women every day from the word of God about the love of God. You see, miracles come in unusual looks, in, in unusual varieties. And looking from the human standpoint, you would say, this can't be God. But God has plans, no problems. What is God able to turn into good for you? Is it just the good stuff? Or can he turn the disgusting stuff into good for you? Hang on, I'm almost done. I remember the beginning days of the power place. We couldn't find a place to meet. We had, we had put in the newspaper that we were going to meet on Easter Sunday. And four weeks out, we still didn't have a place. We just kept saying, we're going to meet. Look at our website. We'll tell you when, where. And, and finally, the Red Clay Room gave us three weeks back to back. They said, we can rent to you for three weeks. That's it. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Met those first three weeks. The fourth week, we had to go to the, the park because we couldn't meet at the, the Red Clay Room because they had, a, had something already scheduled. Then after that, they said, we like you guys, and we want you to be here every Sunday. And so at some point, we were starting to run out of money, which how many of you know that it takes money to run things? You have to pay bills. And, and they came to us and said, look, I don't know if it's okay or not, but we want to cut your rent in half. I said, let me pray about it. Yes. Yes, that's a good idea. And so they cut our rent in half. Miracle. Even them saying yes in the beginning was a miracle. And then the American Legion came to us and asked us to rent their basement, which was a miracle because they had told us before, we don't want a church in our space. We don't want to rent to you. We don't, we don't want to have any part of a church. And then they came to us, and so that was a miracle. And then the Red Clay Room had acquired 150 orange salmon, salmon-colored chairs. How many of you remember the salmon-colored chairs? I, I don't know if you, yeah. They were comfy. And, and they gave them to us for like $8 a chair. Now, those were hundred and some dollar chairs each. And uh, so that was a miracle. And then people began to get saved and healed. And, and every week, almost every week in this church, somebody either gets saved or healed. It's a miracle. And it happens almost weekly. And so as, as you begin to see and you ask yourself, is this natural? And I say, yes, it should be. I mean, if God did it for Gideon, he can do it for you. If God's done it for the power place, he can do it for you. 
Psalm 71 says, Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. And that needs to be our MO. We constantly tell about the wonderful things God is doing. Then the psalmist says, Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. That's, I'm old, I'm gray, but I'm saying, God, don't abandon me till everybody knows, till this next generation knows your power, your mighty miracles, because people are coming after me and they need to hear and see what God is doing. Verse 19, he says, your righteousness, O God, reaches to the highest heavens. You have done such wonderful things. Who can compare with you, O God? And then verse 20, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship. Huh? I thought we were talking about the miracles. Come on, let's stay on the miracles. Miracles, miracles. The psalmist says, you've allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. That's a promise to somebody today. You need to receive that, get that in your spirit. You've allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. Hallelujah. 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 Stand with me, would you? Thanks for listening to the PowerPlace Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch the service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org.